One Time Run Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the One Time Run Podcast. Today, we'll be chatting with James Dozier. James has been collecting artwork from Detroit artists for nearly 30 years. His in-depth knowledge and understanding of Detroit's art community is the deepest I've ever seen. He has methodically built an extraordinary collection by going to hundreds of art shows and supporting artists at their earliest stages. This interview takes you deep into the mind of a prolific collector, an essential component of the art world that's often overlooked. James provides fascinating insight into the process and methodology of fine art collecting. We sat down with James at our studio to dive deep into his story. I'd like to welcome James Dozier to the show. James, thanks for um, joining me today. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I've known, uh, we've known each other for, you know, over a decade. I think the first time we met, um, you'd come into my first gallery, 323 East in Royal Oak. Yes. And um, ever since uh, that, those exhibitions that you had come to, um, we've been uh, running in the same circles. Yes. Spending a lot of time together. And... uh, I've always been really, um, beyond you being one of the nicest guys in the art community here in Detroit. thank you. (laughs) uh, You also bring a sense of um, expansive knowledge about Detroit's art community that I think is second to none. Oh. Mm -hmm. You told me one time that you spend, uh, we'll drive close to 40 or 50 miles on an evening just to go to art shows. Yes, that is true. So why don't you tell me a little bit about... uh, what is it that drives you to motivate you to go to all of these art exhibitions? Well, I love art and culture and give you a little bit of a background. Uh, before I became real so passionately in love with art and culture, um, I was thinking about venturing into commercial photography. And so the interest was in that area. And, but as time progressed, I realized I didn't like working with people because of the the way they would treat you. And I had a nine to five job. I said, I really don't need this. So I started, so I'll do fine art photography. So I would go home and I'll be sitting around and I'll be looking at my barren white walls. And then it, it was like a thunderbolt hit me. I said, you know, I must be a damn fool. All these years, I've been admiring my friends who are painters and drawers and sculptors. And I never thought about acquiring their work to enrich my environment. I'm looking at these barren walls. I said, no, no, this has got to change. I'm changing. I'm going to enrich my environment. So that began my interest in really collecting art and seeing art. And so I started acquiring the work of my friends and other artists whose work I admired. And I said I also wanted to develop my eye for art back in the 90s. There weren't that many galleries here. And so I would find out about openings outside of Detroit, and I would go because I said there might be some interesting art there. And at that time, it really wasn't, Facebook didn't exist. So you pretty much had very little sources of information. The Metro Times probably gave the best coverage at that time. So I would see a, a listing for an opening, and I would go out there. And often that would be really, you know, 
excited to see what I saw. Very interesting art. Sometimes you would go and you say, oh my God, you know, I traveled this far and this is what they're showing. But I realized you have to go. You have to go where the art is at in order to expand your knowledge. And also as a way of supporting these different cultural venues. Uh, because sometimes you get a situation where a venue will put on a show and you get only a small hand, small number of people will come. And they get very disappointed because of all the effort that goes into it. And then other times you get one which just packed with people. But to me, I'm driven because I love art and culture and I want to see it. And I mean literally see it all because I also realize how little art we actually see in our lifetimes. Well, I think that's a great goal. I mean, if, if there was one motto in life was to be to see it all. Yes. I think we'd all take that choice. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, that's really, really a blessing to, to learn about that because as, as people come mm -hmm. to, the, to the exhibitions and we're able to build camaraderie and rapport, mm -hmm. um, there's always a thing that you, you don't really understand the deeper motivation mm -hmm. for going to these exhibitions. Mm -hmm. um, what have you found in that network that you didn't expect? Primarily, I found that it gave me a chance to interact with people who have similar passion as I do for art. It also enabled me to get a chance to interact with the artists because one of the things I always like to ask is, what, is the mo what was the artist's motivation in creating that piece? What is it they trying to, are they trying to convey? And I always find that helpful in better getting an understanding of the art because the art that really interests me is the art that engages me. And part of that engagement is to ask, what is it do I find engaging? Or if I don't find it engaging, what is it that I don't find engaging? Because that helps me better, better understand what I'm looking at, better being able to evaluate the art. And then also the, the advantage of going to the openings is to interact with other people and ask them, you know, if they say, oh, I like that, I like that painting. So often I would say, well, Okay, well, what is it that you like about it? And sometimes that would cause the dialogue to take place. Although I also found some people find that annoying, maybe because it's making them think or they feel they can't express how they feel about it. But a part of it is to further get different perspectives on the artwork that's being presented. Because I've come to realize how you engage your work can change over time. And so by having different perspectives, it gives you a better idea of, of how that artwork is engaging others. And thereby being an artist myself, it helps me further refine my thinking because I have come to realize how I perceive something I created may be totally different how someone else is perceiving it. So that's one of the benefits. The other benefit, of course, is networking, where you can interact with artists and maybe find out about events that you weren't aware of. That's another part of And then just to generally socialize with people. Because part of the, the, my conclusion going through so many openings is that 
percent of the people I believe come to socialize. Five uh, percent are what I call your collector group. Of the five percent, two to three what I, what I would call your hardcore collectors. You know, and and that said, you know, that's all right because you know you want people there. But the reality is, most people do come to socialize. You know, but it's that five percent that are probably the ones who are making up the group that will buy art. That are supporting it. Right. They're supporting the, the different venues. But I think as all, everybody that comes to the show, the whole group, the whole 100% of them, mm -hmm. they're all supporting it. Yes. Um, it's really important um, not only to just buy the art, which is critical to mm -hmm. the whole making and gallery exhibitions mm -hmm. and, and that whole industry, but... Mm -hmm. um, but it's all the people that carry it forward. I think that that mm -hmm. has a, a tremendous amount of value. Oh, yeah, it does. Because one of the things when you get that number of people coming, that that 95 percent, they hopefully you hope that if, even if they don't acquire the work, there, they talk about the work. They talk about it to their friends, family members, and thereby help propagate the information about that art. So that's one of the benefits. It's like the old saying, you know, word of mouth carries more weight than, you know, a million advertisements. But the thing is that it does help because one of the things, and I've experienced this, like I mentioned earlier, I've gone to shows and five people were there. And man, you're talking about sad situation. And then I've gone to show, it'll be so packed. I mean, the line is going out the door. But, but yeah, it definitely helps to have the crowd there. And because if they even if they don't acquire something, they may talk about what they've seen, which helps further promote the show. And do you think is ha having seen so many exhibitions and I mean, you can probably count um, a dozen or so exhibitions that you'll go to a week. Mm -hmm. so let's call it hundreds, uh, potentially a year. Mm -hmm. what, what what do you find helps to cultivate um, your eye for art? Me, it's the uh, being able to see the original work, be able to spend my time looking at it, uh, being able to discuss it with the artists and others there, the, the gallery director. Um, also, I've seen the variety of art, uh, not only in the galleries, but also in different publications. All of those sources enrich my eye. And I said, that's important because I can't wait until the artwork is validated by, you know, being acquired by, you know, wealthy collectors or major museums. Um, I have to be able to hopefully refine my sense to the point where I can look at that artist's work and say, I think that artist is, has tremendous potential and it's going to grow. So I have to make my acquisition then when it's affordable in my budget. Now, some people like to wait. You know, they'll wait until it gets validated when the artist may be showing in a major gallery. He's got, you know, a major museum exhibition. Well, I mean, if you got those resources, yeah, you can wait till maybe the work gets in the well up in the five, six, seven, maybe eight figures, you know. But I've always advocated to people, you don't have to wait until then where it's probably way beyond your means. If you develop your eye, you can acquire that work when that artist is still unknown and get it at a very favorable price. And then you benefit when that stature of that artist rises. You don't have to be rich. 
but you have to develop your eye. You have to be able to refine it because that way it gives you a better chance because the other advantage you have, most of the high-end collectors don't come to the local galleries with few exceptions. They usually, they may go to a commercial gallery like George Nanamdi or Simone de Sousa, some of, the, some of the others, but a lot of them they don't go to. So that means you are there, they are not. So that means you have a chance of seeing that work and acquiring it. And like I said, a lot of them will wait until in their view the art gets validated and moves up. Well, that, how many depends on how many years that takes, but look at how many years you got to enjoy it. So now when you decide, okay, so-and-so work is now selling for, you know, seven figures. I've had it for 25 years. I think I'll put it on the market. You benefited from it. Because when you bought it, for example, you would have only paid $150 for it. What are some of the things that you really, that when you make a decision to buy something or mm -hmm. to collect a piece of artwork, mm -hmm. what decision do you make? What What is it? Is it aesthetic? Is it relationship? Is it price? Like what, how do you make those kind of connections to say, that's the moment, mm -hmm. put it in the, put it in the car, let's mm -hmm. go home, mm -hmm. um, put a sticker on it, I'm going to buy that because mm -hmm. as somebody who sees so many exhibitions, mm -hmm. so many opportunities to buy art, mm -hmm. when does that light go off? Yeah. And, and that's one of the beauties of looking at a lot of art is that it helps you refine your eye and when I realized by looking at so much art and realizing what really engages me, I found that that enables me to pretty quickly assess when I go into a show, what pieces do I really want to spend time looking at? And part of critical for me is engagement. Do I find myself not only enjoying looking at that work, but wanting to look at that work? And every time, you know, I come back to that work. So it keeps pulling me back. That's, to me, the sign that take a even closer look. Then I ask myself, why do I find this work engaging? And then I started doing this little mental test. If I can erase that work from my memory, then I know it wasn't, it, doesn't, it was not enduring for me. If I can't, if it persists, I know, uh-uh. I got to get that work. Uh, then the next thing I look at is price. Because some work, you look at it, it's beautiful. I would like to acquire it. Then, you know, I have to look at my budget. But again, there's a, a, other nice strategies you can use. I found out, just like when you buy a car, any expensive item, just because you can't pay the lump sum at one time does not mean you not you cannot acquire that work. I have found a good seller of art. If they use, and most of them do use the strategy of, I want you to be able to go home with this art. We'll set up a payment plan. As long as you commit to it and the artist agrees, this work can be yours. And I encourage people to do that because most of the time, the gallery or the artist is more than happy to do that because they don't want to take that work back home and the gallery wants to sell it. So if you inquire and you commit to it, you can find that work that you thought, oh man, I can't afford that. You can now afford. And so that's another strategy that I use. Uh, the other thing I always like to look at 
And I always say it's important to ask is getting your documentation for that work. Because if that artist does become very prominent, you want documentation to show, I bought this work from this artist or the, this gallery that showed that artist this work. Because some people fail to do that. They don't have the documentation. You need to check, is the artwork signed? Because some artists, particularly the ones who are the younger artists, they fall into this idea, I don't want to sign my work, or they want to sign with a glyph or a logo. And the thing I tell them, I say, well, that's fine, but let's face it, 10 years from now, who's going to know what that logo meant? You know, there's very few artists who just can put a logo or a mark and everybody knows who that, that is. Sign your work so there's no doubt where they can begin to ascertain who created that work. And, uh, but yeah, that's the other thing I, I uh, stress. Uh, and then other than that, look at as much art as you can. The more you look, the more your visual refinement, when you look at it, will improve. And you'll be able to go into an sh uh, art show, and there may be 40, 50 works on display. If you have developed your visual eye, you quickly find out which ones in, which one of the pieces are engaging me. And then you will look further. Is it really, is this enduring or not enduring? And so therefore, that's why when I used to uh, make the habit of hitting five, six openings a night, sometimes I only spend maybe five minutes at a venue. Could I go through? Nothing here is interesting me. I'm on to the next show. And then I've gone to some and I said, oh man, everything in here I find engaged. So I will spend a lot of time looking at the work. And, and that's a strategy I, I you know, encourage everyone to do because it gives you, again, the ability to ascertain what you find engaging um, and then focus on that. And a lot of people, I think, inertly create want to create, want mm -hmm. to express themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like picking up um, an instrument and making a song. Well, you're not uh, making a, a full record. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same with an artist is, you know, they, you've got to walk and then, and then before you run. Mm -hmm. And yes. I think you see that there's, I, I find that people are very open. It's, it's hard to criticize or to give somebody critique or feedback without feeling critical. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it could be framed differently. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I've seen it happen um, time and time again where it's just a couple of grains of insight um, that the, the that person will take it and, and turn it into something great. Yes. Um, but I, I found as, um, as artists continue to develop uh, around us, I, uh, I tend to want to uh, watch that process occur. Yes. You know, and I think the coolest thing that I've seen is you see somebody have their first exhibition, their second exhibition, mm -hmm. their fifth exhibition. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, this person has really mm -hmm. come into their own. Yes. They've really got their harmony and their creativity. Yes. Um, do you find the same excitement um, as watching that progression? Not just mm -hmm. I've arrived at mm -hmm. being an established artist, mm -hmm. but going from the kernel mm -hmm. to the fully popped piece of corn? Oh, yes. I've seen that many times. And it, it is a joy 
to behold uh, when I reflect back, when I remember what, what they were doing at the first time I saw their work, and then when I see how much they have blossomed, it's something that to me is always pleasurable to look at. And then some of them would do a show where they'll show their early work, and then you and then they'll show what they're doing now, and it's like, man, you see the growth. And they, of course, they feel very good about themselves. And you just tell them, keep going. That is the passion. That is the drive. You know, you don't don't allow yourself to be discouraged. And then sometimes I have found when an artist is right at that critical point where you can see all he needs is a little bit more encouragement. Sometimes I will acquire their work, even though I don't necessarily find, find it that engaging, really. But I said, this is a critical point in this artist's development. This will encourage them to go on to the, to the next level. And that encouragement, I found often does help a lot because some at that point where they say, oh, you know, I've been trying and I don't think, you know, and you look at the work and you see they're, they're right at that cusp. And I say, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. They encourage them to go on because now they feel, like, oh, somebody has found something relevant in, in my work that they like. And that gets them over that, that, over that barrier. And also when you look at, um, sometimes I look at it like, you know, um, an idea, a rough draft, and a finished piece, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if we look at an artist's uh, career, even a short time frame, call it three or four years, mm -hmm. you'll see that um, those were the rough sketches, mm -hmm. the rough ideas. Mm -hmm. And then the, the next time as it's getting to a sketch, it's getting a little bit more refined. Mm -hmm. And then they've arrived mm -hmm. at something, but it's the beginning of the arrival. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that point, you're mm -hmm. saying, I'm purchasing now. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. can see it happen, mm -hmm. the crest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And then sometimes there's some artists whose work I find engaging. And I said, you know, I'm going to acquire this because I want to um, uh, collect the various steps they went through. So I have like a historical uh, record of how they develop. Because and the reason why is because when I've gone to museum exhibitions, sometimes they'll show an artist's early work to show how that artist developed over time. So it presents a more, a kind of a comprehensive picture. And so, so for some artists, I have done that. Because I said, you know, it would be nice to show what they were doing at this time period and this time period and that time period. And so I have made a point to uh, collect some artists work like that. And so with a collection like that, and obviously you have it in your home, you can only show so much artwork or present so much artwork mm -hmm. in your own personal space. Um, What's what do you see as being the outlet for having that collection in the future? Is it is it just for you to know you have it and it's something that you can cherish? It, it's a piece of fulfillment, mm -hmm. or do you see that there's another stage of that of your collection? Like, is there a an end goal, or is there a how do you perceive your collection now that you've amassed uh, this much artwork? Yeah, part of it, I, and I still haven't resolved quite what direction I want to go. Um, I don't know if I, at some point I want to sell it or pass it on to the next generation as a generational endowment. Um, because one of the things uh, I've always felt is that art is something that hopefully m my family members will enjoy. Uh, and that's something I can pass on to them. 
that, hey, you know, make it a part of your life. I cannot say whether or not how much or if it is going to grow in value, but I think it's something you might enjoy. And so that whole idea of passing what you have collected on to the next generation, uh, I might donate some of it to museums. I know probably all of it I would like to keep in Detroit. So, you know, maybe donate it to the DIA so that future generation of Detroiters could enjoy it. So it's something I haven't really resolved yet as to what direction I, I want to go with it. And so it's something that I know I will have to be addressing more uh, as time progresses to determine which direction I want to go. Uh, but right now, I, I, like I told a friend of mine, I will be collecting all of my life, you know, because to me, I love it. I love art and culture, and I do not see myself ever stopping uh, like that song phrase, uh, you know, if there's a cure for this, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, I appreciate you taking time to sit down with me today. Um, I've really uh, been blessed to have you a part of my life. And uh, I just want to thank you again for sharing some of your stories with me. And you also, Jesse, because I've enjoyed always your company. And I'm glad to see how you're prospering and how you are also enriching our cultural community. Very much so. I love how you're doing the murals in the market, and I'm so glad you and your wife took on that 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 task, that challenge, and have done it so beautifully. You know, you have really enriched our cultural community, and uh, that I think the whole community appreciates. I appreciate that, and I think if you look at how we talked about an artist's career progressing, mm -hmm. you've seen mine progress over the years, and yes. I, I thank you for being part of that story. Oh, thank you. Indeed, indeed. Yes, I, I enjoy it and I hope for even better in the future. I'm back with my partner, Dan Armand, who's an avid collector as well. Do you remember the first time we met James at our original gallery, 323 East? Yeah, it was one of our first uh, art shows, barbecued artists, I believe. His art radar is next level because he picked up and found our space before anyone else did, and uh, he's been been coming to our shows ever since. I was really excited to hear him talk about how he's able to self-finance with the gallery and the artist. But for him to explain how to do that, I think that's a real win for somebody who is getting into collecting art. Yeah, for sure. I definitely um, think that was, you know, a valuable piece of advice from a, an experienced collector. And, uh, I, you know, I think one of the, the parts I really loved in the interview, too, was kind of him and you talking about the moment of that it happens that you have to buy that piece of art. Um, I thought it was interesting to hear his take and kind of like the um, collision of factors that leads up to that moment where you just have to go in and, and get it. That's that moment. I think when you look at what why we're doing this podcast and talking about collecting and talking about creating and talking about that bug that you get, the itch that you have to scratch when you know you have to buy that, you have to find it, putting a collection together, that's the moment. And I think James tells that story. Yeah, I mean, I think he told it in a way that I kind of had to step back and say, like, 
I don't really know why I'm compelled to buy some of these things sometimes. I mean, some things I know and some things it just happens. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting to kind of go deeper into each person's story and kind of those little um, intricacies that really make it personal for them. Absolutely. Hey, Dan, in March, we're releasing our second annual International Women's Day collection. Today for the rundown, we have One X Run art director, Alyssa Mullen, here to talk about this year's collection. Hey, Alyssa, welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse and Dan. Thanks for having me. Hey, Alyssa drives the creative vision on how we present campaigns and new releases. And we're excited to have her here with us today to discuss our upcoming International Women's Day collection. Alyssa, tell our listeners what we have planned for this exciting collection. Well, Jesse, I think one of the biggest things is that we've decided to extend this collection beyond just the you know, the one International Women's Day. Um, So we've scheduled it out throughout the entire month to have various releases, uh, various content pieces, and even some uh, looks behind the scene at 1X Run itself to women that work at 1X Run. So we're really celebrating International Women's Day as International Women's Month. How are we going to highlight the stories of these featured artists? I think in the past year, what we've really learned is that Story really motivates people, uh, and we've really tried to bring that into our not only our production process, but also the way that we relate our product to our audience. Um, and this collection is is really geared towards this type of conversation about story, about where these artists come from, about where they fit in the narrative of what being a contemporary artist means, uh, especially as the women that they are. Yeah, I think um, women are really underrepresented in uh, museum collections and in today's art movement, it's the same scenario. I mean, we see it all the time. Um, Women are still really grossly underrepresented as a whole. Yeah, uh, you know, Dan, I, I absolutely agree. I just think it's so crucial for us to share this platform with, you know, people who do have that underrepresented voice um, so that they can you know, push to be a part of the conversation and push to be a part of that spectrum um, of influential and esteemed artists and to keep fighting for equal representation and, and to keep fighting for that equal pay rate and to, you know, just really fight to be as elevated as they deserve to be. And I agree. And I think that's what's really important about some of these collections we've been curating. And we work with a lot of female artists throughout the year. So it's not saying that we never do. And this is right away to to kind of shoehorn that in there. This is really just an opportunity for us to focus the storytelling on that as a very specific time period. But this year, we have uh, Mary Iverson and Mab Graves going to be returning artists. But some of the artists are new to our fold that we're working with and we're excited to collaborate with. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of those projects? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited about Laura Berger's uh, first release with us on 1X Run as part of this collection. It's She's putting out a 10-color screen print, which is you know it's always really impressive to me. Um, and it's really great that the, for her inaugural release with us, we can present something like this to her fans and also potentially, uh, you know, introduce her to some new collectors as well. Well, I want to thank you for helping lead this collection over the last two years. We're really excited to unveil these releases all month long. Thanks for having me. For more information about International Women's Day and to hear these artist stories, please visit news.1xrun.com or follow us on Instagram at the number one, the letter X, R-U-N. 
That's it for the rundown. We'll see you next month where we sit down for a conversation with DJ Des Andreas. The One Time Run podcast is produced and engineered by Connor Anderson with support from Red Bull Arts Detroit. Thanks for listening to this episode.